Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming for the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island, talking a little quiet because my wife just went to bed and I did not record this in a timely manner. I'm going to keep this intro short. Uh, today is just, this was one of my, so far this is my favorite podcast that I have ever recorded. I've been setting this up for a little while. Uh, Kyle is just a wonderful dude and had said yes, but it was very busy, so it took some time to make it happen. True to his word, he said he'd do it, and he did. And, uh, you know, you're not supposed to, like, put expectations on people, and I, I try not to do that. But Kyle meted all my expectations and went farther. It was just, it was everything I wanted. It was just like, I, I, I had this familiarity with Kyle from, I listened to a lot of Nerdist podcasts. I've fallen in love with, um, This Is Rad podcast. And I just feel like he seems like we have a lot of the same sensibility. I know we love a lot of the same stuff. So it kind of starts off with like interviewee-ish and then turns into like a legit conversation about checking out cool bands and art and just, just such so much fun. Uh, I, I I got really happy with myself. I got to make him laugh, which um, I'm a sucker for making people laugh. It's just something I like to do. Uh, so this was a uh, this this is the this is a good episode, man. This uh, this is a this is a get, if you will. And uh, please please support Kyle and all his endeavors and his awesome work. He's working on a bunch of cool TV shows at the moment. He has a comedy album out called I'm a Person, which you could buy. It's on Spotify title. Uh, you could buy the CD. I am actually going to purchase it tonight. Uh, we'll put links for everything on our website, coretemparts.com. Follow him on Twitter at Kyle Clark is rad. And if you haven't checked out his podcast called This is Rad, this is a podcast you need to check out where it's celebrating all things of, uh, things that people fucking love. Their Twitter feed is at this is rad, their webpage is thisisrad.com. You can go on, support them, subscribe. They have YouTube, they have YouTube channels. You could, uh, download some cool stuff and give them some money. Uh, anyway, just, I, I can't, I really can't, I just kind of can't get over that this happened. It was, it's cool. You know, you, you hear someone's voice for a long time and then you feel like you get this familiarity and then you just get along and then you feel like you're buds. So, so much fun. Kyle, if you do listen to this, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, as always, you can find us at uh, coretemparts.com. That's my network. You can find everything there. And um, we'll be back next week. Let's get to it. Let's Chat with Revel and Friends is part of Cortemp Arts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, and movie podcasts. Check out our other shows, That Pop This Live, Talking Shondaland, We Got Five, and TV Ate My Brain at coretemparts.com. The hard, the hard, you never thought that this cop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight, cause I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid Debris. Funk, Master Flex, Love, Bump, Star, Ski. I feel like we have all, uh, very similar interests as I see your Chuck Reagan tour in the back, uh, poster oh, in the yeah. background. I'm the like, revival, all right. <laughs> first year of the revival tour. Oh, the first one. Yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't uh, gotten yeah, to go would, to that. Uh, they, it always like would come through when I was like working. They did. I think they only did like three, four years of it. You know, I went to the first year, but I went, they did two LA dates and I went to both and it was real fun. One of the first one I think was like Halloween. And so it was like, oh, it was, uh, Laura Jane Grace. Uh, and Chuck Reagan, Tim Barry, and Ben Nichols. Oh, was this when Laura was Laura? No, it was uh, Tom Gable. Let's Tom, it was, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. right when the uh, Heartburns uh, solo record came out. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's still a fucking dope ass time anyway. Yeah, Tim was, Barry, was, too, another oh, underrated artist. Tim Barry was amazing, and like it, like, it was shocking how funny Tim Barry is. Like, it, yeah. I, it, my mind was blown just in the fact that, like, like, he would do as much just being silly and talking as he did play songs. And one of the nights he just kept referring to Ben Nichols as Dick Nichols and got the audience <laughs> to call him that. And then uh, during Ben Nichols uh, would just stand on the side of the stage and just go, Dick Nichols is great. That's fucking awesome. I love when you find the, like, I feel like you're one of those people too. Like, I feel like I've come to that too, the, like the, the uh, punk rock dudes who also love comedy. And like, you <laughs> often don't find that. Uh, you do sometimes, but then sometimes you don't. Like, you like, you talk to like a music snob, but then they're like, and, and no offense, but they're like, yeah, I'm going to go see Larry the Cable Guy. I'm like, or Jeff Locke. I'm like, really? You don't like Mr. Show or? 
Any of that I've actually found that that pretty much across the board, uh, comedy or, or like music people tend to be like super into comedy. Like there's definitely the Venn diagram, but there's, there's, I've, I've, there's definitely like a kind of a crazy hierarchy. I feel like of just sort of that. I feel like there's the crossroads. Like every comedian wants to be a cool musician, and every yep. cool musician wants to be a funny guy. Well, have you? I'm sure you've run into the comedian who's like a comedian snob, and then they're like, "I love Nickelback." I'm like, "Okay." Uh, good, good for you. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, like, pretension runs in, in pretty uniformity. So I feel like if you do one, you've signed up for, like, the box deal of all, like, you're just pretentious across the board. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that's totally, cause, like, one of my, I think it was one of my cousin, my cousin was in, um, how did he, so he got Brian Posehn in one of his videos because they were just huge Posehn fans. And they, like, met him after a show and he was, like, a huge metal fan. So it was, like, I like oh, I I love that stuff like when you find that like metal comedy crossover. Most definitely. That's dope. Um so are you from like California originally? Yeah, born and raised. Uh I was uh born in the Valley and then uh until I was 5 in Camarillo and then the rest of the time in Simi Valley on in uh just on the other side of the hill from uh, where the first thing in the 805 area code. All right, so I'm I'm from the northeast. It's Simi Valley. The only reason I feel like I know to that is that cuz of um that show that Brody Stevens used to have is that his town that he'd uh, always say? Uh, he grew up in Simi Valley for a while, yeah. Yeah, I watched that. I forgot the show he had on Comedy Central. It was like one oh, uh, season. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, you, God, I can't remember it. it. Enjoy it. It was fucking awesome, but it, he was just like, yeah, yeah Simi Valley. <laughs> if I run into Brody, he'll just be like, hey there, Simi Valley. Like, because <laughs> uh, it's like the one conversation we've had is that that's where I'm from. And so he just, uh, it's like, uh, like we're soldiers in Vietnam. It's just you're known as, you know, Dallas or. <laughs> You know, Memphis or whatever, and I'm like, so it's Simi Valley. Is that far from LA or like? Uh, it's about 20, 25 minutes outside, and I work in Hollywood, and I still live out in Simi, so like, I'm, I'm kind of used to the, the run, so it doesn't seem bad to me, but like, yeah, it's like 20, 25 minutes. I mean, it's, that's kind of how I got into podcasts was because I've, you know, had a commute. So it's one of those things where it's like, well, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have the rest of my job, so it works out. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because like, um, I've, like many people have listened to so many hours of Nerdist and like, and then I, that's how I found this is rad, obviously, like probably most people. Uh, but like, I, I feel like we get like little tidbits about like here and there, like you and Katie will say things. And like, it's weird because like my brother and my wife, like we all listen to it at this, and then like we get together and talk about it. So I'm always like curious. I'm like, how did you guys come into it? So like, I feel like you've been on it a good amount, but you never had like a, there's never been a Kyle Clark episode of Nerdist. No. So like, I'm always uh. kind of curious, like how like you come to the picture. I, I came into it, I was, uh, working, uh, at the, so I was, was, a uh, I got to step it back that I was, was, uh, working, doing, being a comedian basically is how I came into it. Uh, nice. And, and at the time, uh, I was, uh, in grad school to get a teaching credential, uh, and I was doing that daytime and then at night hitting mics and trying to do stuff. And I was just a baby comic just trying to make good. But so it was just, uh, like this, just this crazy, you know, 15 hours a day schedule every day or, 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 you know, work day stuff. And it was just madness. And, uh, we were kind of going through and doing all this stuff. And then right around the time I was graduating from grad school, uh, the nerd melt theater opened and mm. I had been a big podcast listener because my commutes for grad school and stuff like that. And because I was just a huge comedy insane person at the time. And then did, uh, uh, like, like went to the, theater for when they were doing the Matt Myers day off open mics because I'd kind of been doing a bunch of mics in that area and was super excited mm. to find out that that was happening and then maybe the second time I went to melt I met people who were running it was like hey like do you guys need your cars washed or literally I will do anything for this thing <laughs> and yeah. they were hiring interns and I was the last hired to the original staff of interns for the the nerd melt theater and so spent, uh, you know, and that kind of just became my second home. And I just like was I worked a billion shifts and was doing all sorts of stuff there. Mm -hmm. It's just because it was the place I wanted to be. Uh, and uh, so did a bunch of stuff there. And then about six months in uh, pitched uh, along with some people a show for the Nerdist channel, which was launching at the time. And that was uh, Nerd Turns, which I did two seasons of for the. Oh, Nerd yeah, I, the I love that thing. Yeah, and so we did two seasons of that, and I think after the first season, Chris had called, like, like sent me a like a DM on Facebook or on Twitter, and was like, "Hey, like, uh, I need to get in touch with you." And I'm like, "Oh God, I'm fired. Uh, <laughs> what did I do?" 
and uh, and he was like, "Hey, you're really funny on the show. Uh, I'm looking to get like kind of a like a PA assistanty type of person for the podcast and also for Talking Dead, which I've also worked on for like five years now." Oh wow! And uh, and he was like, "Hey, you want to work on these things?" I was like, "Sure." And then I kind of wandered in there, and then that you know, I was my job for like uh, the 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 next four or five years. Like it was just kind of this crazy run. And then I was like, "Well, I mean, it's fun, but like it's not like I'll ever pop on mic." And then I popped in mic. And then like the Rollins episode happened, and that was such a crazy yeah. surreal thing. And then and then it just like and then that just became kind of part of life. And and it's been a, a crazy run. I, I owe a, a, a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, opportunities I've had, you know, working on, on Jonah's show. And then, uh, like I now just started working as a researcher on, uh, at midnight. So, you know, it's been an interesting run, you know, kind of getting into the world that way. And like, it's, and it's weird. Cause like, I've known Katie forever through the theater, just cause like the nerdist and, and more than nerdist, like the nerd melt family, the people who are kind of around meltdown yeah. is, is very much like a, a second family. They're, they're the people who work there and there's probably, we're probably on our, 10th generation of people who have worked as interns there and you know and it's improvisers it's it's com- comedy people it's fans of comedy you know it's kind of artsy you know people and then just general nerds and general comedy fans and stuff like that but it's definitely like this very much like you meet somebody who gets hired and it's like oh we have a new cousin and so like katie was definitely in is has always been in that world because she's run the recording studio and the stuff like that and so, so it's always, it was cool to kind of go from like, oh, like, like that's Katie from the family. And now it's like, oh, we just work together and I just get to hang out with Scout the dog all the time. <laughs> that's so dope. So just right place, right time. Yeah, was, work was, hard, be nice guy. That was, that's, that's pretty much always my advice. How, so that, uh, that Rollins episode that you were, I was like, um, how, how did you fucking not shit yourself, man? That's Henry Rollins. <laughs> uh, it was interesting because, uh, uh, that was maybe my, fifth episode i'd even worked on too it was very early in the run like it was was uh you know i think by the the end but but like as of late i think i've done something like three like uh the upper towards 400 episodes with the podcast yeah yeah so that was that was number five so it was a long long time ago (laughs) that's kind of mean and he's my guy like he's he's the reason that i do comedy he's the reason i'm a big music fan he's the the reason that i kind of believe a lot of things i believe my family refers to him as uncle hank like it's like (laughs) it's a whole thing and but i kind of learned that like one of the things that do to do that job is like you you have to shut off <clears throat> the fandom part of your brain and just go like, this is just a person. They've probably pooped today at some point. Like they, they, uh, they, if they stub their toe, they will make a, a noise. Like they are a person and, and you just have to approach it that way. And, uh, and in his case, like it was just sort of like, ah, oh, nice to meet you, man. Uh, and then, and then what was nice was like started talking about music stuff. And I forget what it started with, but like he and I just started shooting back and forth stuff. And we started talking about, uh, Simon Reynolds' book, Rip It Up and Start Again. Simon Reynolds is an amazing music journalist from the UK, and he has a book mm. about the history of post-punk called Rip It Up and Start Again. And we started going back and forth about that book, because we ha- we must have brought up something from it, like some band that's real heavily yeah. put in it. And, and you know, it was probably a 10-minute conversation between us uh, kind of waiting while everybody else is getting into the studio and so by the time Chris is in, we are in kind of full conversation already. And, you know, and I think, uh, Chris is just like, uh, oh, we'll throw him on the thing. Cause clearly, uh, these two are operating on a level where they knew more, know a lot about music. And Joan was there too. So it was just, just a trifecta of music dorks talking about stuff. And so, yeah. So then it kind of extended onto Mike. And then a lot of people were just like, who the fuck is this guy <laughs> who's just shown up out of nowhere with this annoying laugh who knows all the bands? <laughs> and so it was, was, there's, you know, a few better ways to kind of make a debut than to like, you know, be kind of it, it, in a situation where you're kind of at the top of your game as far as being able to kind of talk about stuff you know about with somebody you admire. And, and then he was really nice. And that's always great because like the, the best thing that can happen is you can meet somebody who you admire and they're very nice, you know, cause it's not always yeah. the case, but in those, those cases, it's always very exciting. <laughs> No, yeah, it's not always the case. And then it's it's not even sometimes it's not fair to the person about like, the expectations you put onto someone when yeah, you meet absolutely. them. And I mean, I feel like I've fallen into that. And then I'm like, all right, well, you know, maybe they're just having a bad day. And then some people are just dicks, like yeah. ultimately. But some of my friends are dicks and I love them. It just takes <laughs> a few times to hang out, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, like I, I think thankfully no one meets me and has like a 15 inter- second interaction and then judges me for the rest of my life on it. 
Yeah. Because there's more times than not that I'm not wonderful to be around. It's like, what? Yeah. Although it has always informed me about trying to just be a good dude because you're always like, you know, you always think like, well, you know, especially like if you're somebody's guest or something like that. I've definitely learned to just be like, I'm going to be the, the agreeable easy guy because, you know, who walks away uh, going that guy's awesome is when you're the agreeable easy guy. No, yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree with that all the time. That's that's so true. And then it, obviously it served you well and it's great. I mean, I love I love every time when you guys are on Nerdist, I get so stoked because like, you know, I, I used to have a job where I worked an hour away one way. So it was like two hours a day and that's what you do. It just, it destroys commutes and it actually turns into something you actually look look forward to. And then like, it's weird because like you, Chris, Jonah, Matt, like I know I don't know any of you guys, but I've listened to all your voices so many times. It's like that <laughs> weird thing of like, you feel like you know that it's that one-sided relationship you get with radio yeah, or podcast rather. Yeah. That, no, I, uh, I, I totally know what you mean, because there, there are for sure podcasts that I have that with, where I'm just like, oh, like, if only I could meet Phil in the blank, they seem like a real cool person, and then you realize, like, oh, I need to, I need to, I need to stow that and remember they are people. <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah, I, I'm yeah, that yeah. way with, I'm a huge uh, cave comedy radio fan, I don't know if you're aware of them, they're out of no. New York, it's uh, the, the network kind of built out of the creek in the cave. In, in, oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, oh, man, like, the, the, the shows on that are, are definitely, like, all, oh, I'm very much like that, where I'm just like, ah. Oh, <laughs> he said the thing. He said, yeah. The, yeah. Do you get do you get to tour tons now with for comedy? And uh, now not, you have like job not jobs. As, not as much as I'd like. I'm still kind of working jobs and trying to to you know pay bills and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I went on. Uh, I did a nice chunk of touring. Maybe this this year and the last last year, the first couple of times I've gotten to like legitimately tour. Uh, I did a, a last year a leg in the south, and then this year I did the Pacific Northwest with uh, my friend Keith Carey, who is a very talented and accomplished comedian. Uh, he's big out of the roast battle scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we did uh, 11 days up from Los Angeles to uh, Washington and back. And then I also did a couple of festivals this year. And like, uh, I mean, the answer is no, because it's never enough touring for me. Like my dream life would literally be just to be on the road 30, 40 weeks a year. Like, yeah, it's, really? it's, it's oh, it's my favorite thing in the world. There is there is yeah. nothing I like doing more than stand up. And the idea of being able to just do a lot of it all the time just feels like the, the dream. Like that's. Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of long term where I'm working towards is being able to, you know, and it's interesting because I feel like I have some comedian friends who are like, Oh, I'm working towards this to get like a writing job or oh, I'm working towards this. Yeah. But like for me, it's, it's very much like all of those things are nice and all of those things are things I like doing. But like the, if, if given my druthers and, and the goal is just, just being able to like just do as much stand up as humanly possible. Like, like maybe the only other thing that maybe I like as much is like directing for stuff but even in that case it's sort of like uh you know i'm obsessed with like trauma and kind of low budge like genre stuff and things like that and so like being able to to maybe do some of that stuff too and be able to do that but that's so i mean that it's crazier to try to make a living off that than it is trying to do stand up (laughs) but those are definitely like the two loves and like the two things that that you know all the rest of the stuff is always working towards just being able to do more stand up i mean like like Chris, like Hardwick has like got to like that level and still does stand up. And you guys always talk on the podcast, like you could tell the people who get to a certain level of success and then they quit stand up. But you're, so you're like one of the true blue. Oh yeah. I'd, 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 uh, I'd, I'd rather eat a gun than stop doing stand up. It's, uh, I've never, never understood that mindset of just like, Oh, I got this until like, this is a means to an end. It's never been so a means next, to an yeah, end for yeah. me. It's, uh, I just want to, uh, like just because i came out of music and doing live performance stuff and for me like there's no better buzz than like live performance and like you can't replace it and stand-up is like the hardest kind of live performance and when you are able to do it like in it like when when you are doing a set and it is going well to me there is literally nothing else on earth that is as good as that Mm -hmm. but then the flip side is when it doesn't go well you gotta eat eat that yeah but also but i think like one of the secrets to stand-up is that like everybody eats shit sometimes and like yeah you just you just learn that like that's part of it and like you don't you don't go like oh this went badly and i feel bad you're like yeah but uh, literally in 12 hours, you know, I could get up and go do this again. Or or in some cases, like, I had a terrible set. Uh, in an hour, I'm going to go have another set, and it's going to reset the clock. So you're you're always kind of as good yeah, as your yeah. last set, but there's always another set to do. And, and I think comedy is one of those true art forms. Like, it kind of doesn't matter who you are at some level. Like, even if, like, uh, Jerry Seinfeld walks into, like, a to like the comedy cellar, you're like, oh, my God, it's Jerry. But if he's not funny by minute three... 
that it's you're not funny. There's just and I I doubt that happens too much anymore. But like it's just one of those things. But like music, you could always fall back on your hits and stuff. Yeah. But like comedy is like that one thing. Like your fame, whatever, only can get you so far. And then most at definitely. some point, I would say one of some of the most inspiring things I've ever seen is watching heroes of mine have bad sets. Like, oh especially, yeah. Especially when you're like young, like like or or mm-hmm. even like you know like middle kind of figuring your stuff out as a stand-up and like you still have that like oh i just i'm never gonna do this and then you walk in and see somebody who you think of as like a god of stand-up just eat shit for like an extended period of time and just like oh this is the best thing i've ever seen like it never gets better and that's so freeing <laughs> no you know, I, I, that sounds know, pretty great then on the flip side you watch that same person do a set where you're like oh i'm never gonna be that funny. yeah yeah i'm just never gonna that, do like, that being in the middle is fine like there's so mm-hmm. much to work with there and like you don't have to kind of what's nice about it is like you don't have to exist in a world of superlatives like and at the same time it is you know in a lot of cases like there is a level of of you know cool fairness to it there's definitely people who are going to get more pass you know where they're just like oh they're funny so we will laugh versus like if you are someone no one's heard of they're just like well you better be funny cuz i'm not going to waste my time <laughs> giving the benefit of a doubt to someone i've not heard of but that's just that's just American culture at its core. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm not going to be the guy to take the risk. <laughs> Come back I, when you're a proven product. <laughs> that's so true. Get on King of Queens first, then we can laugh at you. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, but so it's interesting. But yeah, but it's it's like uh, you know, there's there's nothing quite like it, and it's uh, it's a brutal, horrible life. But uh, at the same time, like it's uh, it's the best. Did you did you ever tour as a musician? Uh, I did. Very, very little. Not really. No, like that's always been my joke. My brother is a is a touring musician and a very talented oh, no way. guy. And uh, and our joke is always that like you know I got to do basically all the stuff that I always dreamed about doing as a musician as a comedian, getting to kind of independently release stuff and have like yep. you know vinyl and touring and do all this stuff. And and the joke is always because my brother is a uh, uh, both a guitar player and a drummer. But you know when he's on tour with drums, I'm just like. You know what's great is that me and my friend got into a two-door sedan and drove across the country. You have to have a van and set stuff up. And we literally set walk in up. four minutes before the show, and uh, I look at a piece of paper and go, Ugh, my wrists are so strained from the one thing I need to bring <laughs> on stage. This single piece of paper. Oh, God. Poor dr- drummers get the worst of it, too. Like they've, Especially if you're not like at a level where people are setting up your shit for you. Like Most of my friends' bands or cousins' bands have ever gotten to, or it's just like... Oh god, it fucking takes forever. It, yeah, that's so funny about comedians. Just like, all right, I'm here. <laughs> Where's the hotel? I'm gonna go dick around the city for a while. <laughs> that's so great. Uh, what uh, what what band's your brother in? Uh, right now he's in a band called Tidemouth. Who they just run a hiatus and they're getting back together. They're kind of a goth hardcore band. Nice. Uh, they're they're really cool, and it kind of evolved like like into kind of getting into more sort of like psychedelic and and sort of like weird like stoner medley kind of elements to it too uh they're really cool yeah and then uh and then he also plays guitar in sort of a solo project called dogs which is great because you can't search for it at all it's the worst search optimization and i've yep. actually am am i think technically still a member of dogs at the moment like dogs has been on hiatus just because he's uh gone back to school and then Tidemouth has become active again but i was actually playing bass for dogs for a while because they kind of have a rotating lineup of people Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he had had a gig opening for. I don't know if you know who Jeff Rosenstock is. Oh, dude, I um, yeah, now you're speaking my language. Oh, okay. I I grew up in Connecticut, but they were from his first band, Arrogant Sons of Bitches, was like my favorite band oh, growing nice. up. Yeah, Scott uh, band. I was a oh, I, I'm familiar with all. I uh, uh I probably seen Bomb ten times. Like they were, yeah, yeah. They were one of my favorite bands of all time. Oh, yeah. And, uh, huge, 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 huge fan. And a band my brother was in before got to open for Bomb back in the day. And then he got a gig opening for Jeff, like on one of the real early West Coast Rose Talk yeah. solo things. And the bass player for his band, like, decided that it, this was an ideal time to get back on drugs and uh, disappeared. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so my brother literally, like, came into my room and, and was like, hey, can you learn, like, seven songs in two days? <laughs> and I was like, I sure can. And so all of a sudden I was in, in a band. And I hadn't been in a band prior to that in, I guess, a few years. Like, I was in a, I had a band with, that was, like, a power pop thing with a girl I was dating for a while. But, like, I think that relationship kind of ended that band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I only played, like, a few gigs and stuff like that. But, but so it was super fun. It was, uh, 
you know, fun because I was a guitar player for most of my time playing. Getting to play bass was super fun because, like, my dad's a bass player. Most of the girls I've dated are bass players. Most of my best friends are bass players. So it was fun yeah. to, like, Switch take that mantle and get to get to rock out with that. Uh, and, and so it's been fun. I played two or three gigs with them kind of off and on. Um, and I, I really like the music. Uh, I wish I remembered any way that I could promote them because, like, they, they have a, a an EP called the Fear of Failure EP. Use that in Bandcamp to kind of trace that back. But like, dogs are a real good band. And uh, D O G S or D A W G S? No, D O G S. Wow, they didn't even try Just, to make no. it. It was, uh, and actually, it's the reason for the name is even a ridiculous thing because it was originally they wanted to call themselves the Death of Gwen Stacy, like the Spider Man thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And then that it turned that... out was basically taken by some other band. And then they're of like, course. oh, well, that spells out docs. Let's just do that. That's fucking awesome. As long as you're not trying to, you know, go for it too hard or if you want people to find your records. Yeah. And, and it was one of those things like, like, uh, you know, but, but so it's been a fun little, fun little side piece with him. But, uh, yeah. Did you play? No, well, th- not well. I couldn't play anything, couldn't, uh, sing, couldn't do anything, you're but just absolutely. Who, you're talking to somebody who came out of punk rock, so not well is not an excuse to not Yeah, play. like I just, I couldn't even just, I just couldn't, I don't have whatever the fine motor skills for guitar. My brother and my dad were, but like, just huge scenester, huge, huge into the, uh, from, from Connecticut, but like New Jersey, New York City, oh, right Long Island, that era of like, Arrogant Sons of Bitches turns into bomb the music industry. Um, With Honor was like our okay. hometown hero. From like in that area of Connecticut, Hatebreed was already had come and gone, but there was still remnant of Hatebreed everywhere. Okay, like, huge ska fan, like huge, huge. I still love ska to like no end, but I huge pop punk, hardcore emo, all that stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that's yeah. Uh, so bomb they. God, I fuck. I loved when when Bomb the Music Industry first started. Like, I remember seeing them I, when they would when Jeff would tour and they would have like the bring your own. Did you ever go to the tours? They had like no. Uh, be- because I live on the West Coast, we mostly got kind of straight bomb shows. I feel like the East Coast got all the, oh, kind of the weird experiments. Yeah. Pieces. One we, time there was we, iPod, we just got bring excellent bomb music industry concerts. Yeah. I saw him play with Mustard Plug and like Poughkeepsie one time oh, and nice. they like had an, it was him with an iPod as the drum track. <laughs> and then he invited everyone on like MySpace to come beforehand, just like make sure you know the songs. And he had a bunch of strangers come on play with him. That's awesome. <laughs> it was like, it was just shit like that. It was just like the best. Yeah. Did you ever hear of, uh, so I have a cousin, she's way older than I am, but she was in a band called Unwound. Oh yeah. I'm a big Unwound fan. Very few people know who they are. Actually, uh, the girlfriend I was talking about in that story before, like, uh, my ex who I was in a band with, she, uh, uh, turned me on to Unwound. Like, like she was a crazy Unwound fan. Yeah. They're, they're few and far between, but people who love them fucking love them. My cousin was the drummer, Sarah. Oh, wow. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So like she turned me on. She came home for Christmas. I think they were touring, but I remember like they, she came home for Christmas or something. I was like really, really young, maybe like middle school and like, they, her, my parents had brought me to go see her in Boston and it was them and Sleater Kenny, but I'm like, I don't know, like 10 or some shit. Man, so like, turned you into a real hip 10 year old. Yeah. I was, I, I was like, but, um, she gave me like, she's like, I heard you like ska. So she gave me this like ska compilation, but it was like first wave ska. And that was like, which was basically just straight reggae. Like, yeah, <laughs> but that, that she was the one that like turned me on to that stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's, it's always fun. Like no one ever really knows who they are, but I'm like, but real music people, but yeah, she's oh yeah, she's funny. Great. Uh, uh, yeah, they're I, weird. Yeah, uh, the the I have a, I have very like distinct memories of like just playing unwound records and like driving around aimlessly and stuff like that. With, yep, uh, much like their music. Yeah, it was uh yeah like unwound and slint, and I'm trying to think who else came out of that same time period that like yeah that that, that girlfriend was like super into. That's so funny. I haven't thought about them forever. They're great. I'm gonna listen to unwound after this. I think they just put something out, like a re-release or something. Yeah, I believe so. And then she was just, I saw her a couple of years ago when she was touring with, uh, her side project was doing like a little thing. And then she was playing with Crit and Tucker for, oh, cool. For a very long time. But That's awesome. it, it's, it's funny talking to her about like touring as a, in your twenties versus like as a full grown adult when you have a child at home. And it's like, I know like, I think her and Corinne and the band took their kids to Japan with them. Yeah. Like, I was like, that's awesome. Like, so it's just like momming it up and go play a rock show in Japan and then like well, run back and like breastfeed or whatever. Well, my favorite thing that I found, especially like because I started touring at a later age and, and maybe because of comedy, but I've definitely found that I don't know if that's entirely part of it is like, uh, there's such a lack of glamour to touring that like, 
like once you take the mystique away, is kind of awesome. That it's just like the it's so not as cool and sexy and full of partying as as it's sort of made out to be by many things. It's a very nomadic experience. Like I've only gone out with friends for like a show here and there, like a few hours away, so nothing crazy. Do you do comedy? I like music friends. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, so you've got no, no, no. Oh, so you've been like, uh, like, like just on tour with like, like just music like friends. merch dude for oh, like a day oh, cool. kind of thing. Like always That's just awesome. more. Yeah, I always just hung around everyone doing all the cool stuff. I was like, I don't have these talents, but I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> I used to like try to book shows and stuff, like little things like that. When oh, I was right much on. Younger. Yeah, and then um, yeah, one of the the best. My I helped book the show with this one dude, and then. It was with a band called Smacking Isaiah, and it was the last day of their tour, and then they were going to go switch their name to A Wilhelm Scream right after, in like, 03. Oh, so, okay. like, we, we got them right before they blew up. But, yeah, but it's it's fun. I remember, like, uh, my friends, good friends in this band. Called, and have you ever heard of a band called Folly? Folly. That sounds very familiar. Hardcore metal band with ska breakdowns. They're kind okay. of fucking weird. But, like, when you're a band that is, like, DIY, not making any money, like, you're right. It's a lot of, like... Stealing free Wi-Fi, hanging out, and drinking beer in a van, and then playing a show in a basement, and then yeah. well, and next, like, like even uh, like because because I'm not a not I'm not really a drinker uh, yeah, or, a, or a fun party guy in any way, uh, just a boring man. But uh, so like I always made the joke like I'm literally chasing like a place to take a nap and Wi-Fi across the country when you're touring. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I quit smoking weed like a like a couple years ago, maybe a few years ago, and I drink maybe two hard ciders a year at most. Like I'm not, are you edge or are you no, just, no, no, I have no, no hard, yeah. hard, fast rule. I'm yeah, just, yeah. I'm just super uncool. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's why I'm, I'm too. like, well, like guys, you're going to drink, like you're going to feel crappy in the morning and I'm going to go to sleep right now and I'm going to feel fine. Yeah. Like, I'll go to the bar, but you're going to annoy the shit out of me after like an hour and then I'm going to leave. I'm more like, guys, I'm chasing Wi-Fi because I'm going to like, uh, you know, wa- watch half of uh, an episode of Good Eats as I fall asleep because, uh, yeah. you know. I literally, I think the first night of the tour that Keith and I did, I literally fell asleep watching the Blueberries episode of Good Eats on the Booker's Couch. Like, uh, that's a like great a, uh, like memory. A real rock and roller. <laughs> it's true. Anyone who like uh, does that life and sticks it out, I'm always impressed not- by it. Like the people who can like party and tour. I'm just like Jesus. Like you guys are, like, you guys got more uh, raw survival skill. <laughs> if I did yeah. that, I would just crawl into a hole and die. <laughs> I don't know about like, did your music scene have that thing too, where like it kind of got like, there was probably at the peak of like, maybe like Mike, when Mike Hem is like the biggest band in the world at one moment, like it got real broy, where like it became like the frat part, like the, the punk scene became like the frat party. I, and it was uh, fucking terrible. Where I grew up, well, was our awful. music scene had a very heavy schism kind of from jump, where there was kind of, it's weird because the more people I meet and the more people I have conversations with, like I realized like our music scene was, was, a little bit structurally different because there was basically two scenes and it's, it's part of the reason that I always get in trouble for like really making fun of pop punk is that pop punk kind of showed up and allowed this kind of like backdoor for like super broy bands. And so for us, like the, all the post hardcore kind of stuff, which it was uh, largely like some of my favorite bands, but like that scene was the kind of like broy and scenester myspace kind of people scene and then there was yeah. this like really scuzzy street punk gutter punk kind of scene and that ended up being the scene that i was really heavily in and it's yeah. weird because like i've always been like like you know my favorite bands are like sonic youth and uh, back in the day like like my favorite bands are, like hot water music sonic youth the pixies the eels and against me like you yep. know with like uh, the replacements probably rounding out that run, so it's yeah, like yeah. A, a, like kind of like noisy and sad. Like those are my jams. Do you listen to Beach Lang? Uh, uh, yeah, I like Beach Lang. Uh, they're they're uh, I, I have these are replacements. Any, so. Yeah, I uh, uh, they are the uh, Beach Lang are one of the bands I need to get super into. And the problem is, I found them in car seat headrest at the same time, and I made okay, my yeah. choice, and I need to go back and and re up. But, you just uh, gotta get in the right mood for some Beach Lang, yeah. and like yeah, their um their drummer came on here, and it was like I was just like geeked out so hard over that album like dude because i was a huge weston fan and okay. and, and beach Lang is the singer of weston oh i didn't realize uh, so i was like oh my god because I, I i love like that american football emo era yeah. as well like i feel like the brand new see, thursday and, era see and i found all of that stuff later like maybe yeah. when i was in college after it was kind of over yeah and you're like i missed it but now well, it's back well, but the scene uh the people who were super into it in our scene were all like people i didn't like and so mm-hmm. I ended up mm-hmm. rolling with the kind of like chaotic 
street punky kind of stuff and was, you know, going and, and seeing all these kind of like crazy liberty spiked, uh, like basically yeah, yeah. like a, a non-white power version of like green room. <laughs> Uh, but there's always that chance a Nazi's going to show oh, yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. That, I mean, I've been punched in the jaw by a Nazi or two in my life. Uh, oh, my God. That's but, terrible. <laughs> hey, man, it just came with the scene. Uh, now, and, is he and, like the president now? Or <laughs> <laughs> No, I could take a punch from that guy real easy. Yeah, uh, these old. guys are the guys like, you know, out of like Long Beach and San Pedro who have our hands made of steel. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, where you're like, I think my jaw is broken, but I think I can still sing. So I think I'm probably just in pain. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> But, uh, but, but, and, and it's weird because, like, I definitely have, like, this weird affinity for that kind of stuff. But, but, uh, and so it's, it was weird. So I miss, like, like, I like, uh, my performance a lot, but, like, I never, like, saw them live or saw any bands kind of in that ilk because, like, I was more like the addicts and leftover crack yep. and things like that. Oh, uh, I love leftover crack. Yeah. That's because you're a person oh, in the man. world and everybody loves it's leftover like crack. The <laughs> They're the best. best. They're the best bands. So fucking. Uh, but, oh uh, my god. And so kind of coming out of that, and then I got real heavy kind of into the folk punk thing before it kind of took off heavy. And so, like, I've seen, like, Andrew Jackson Jihad at, like, house shows, like, oh, a million times. And, like, they, you know, like, I, Defiance Ohio were a band that I used to stock. Like, I don't know if you know them. They were, uh. Defiance? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, Defiance they're, Ohio. Uh, they're another band that, that I just, like, worship the ground of, and this bike is a pipe. And a lot of the, like, no idea. And Planet X kind of stuff was, yep. the, was my big kind of push for things. It was where I kind of finally found like a place where I'm like, oh, I like these shows and people at these I shows. I like are melody. Like, I'm like, ah, everybody here like like it seems like kind of dirty and unbathed, but like also like uh, you know you know they're like smart and nice like a person from an emo show, but they're also like dirty and scuzzy and not uh, rapist like uh, at a uh, you know other things. It was, it was a hippie uh, show. <laughs> yeah, and so it was one of those things where it's just finding your niche. But it's weird because I've now kind of come back, and I didn't realize until I got much older, like, how much of a scene all that stuff was. Because I was like, oh, I was just, to me, that's just all the guys who were mean to me in high school's bands. Or the guys who, like, seemed like dicks. So it's weird. Like, I've had to, like, come back and go, like, oh, now, like, it was funny when I was on tour with my buddy Keith. Uh, we had, like, an eight-hour drive at one point straight, and I just handed him, Ugh. like, the ox cord. Uh, and was like, all right, for the next two hours, you're going to explain to me why Brand New were a good band. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, yeah. sell me on this. And he was like, I, all right, and just like cracked his neck and like, like just gave a two hour lecture because I'm like, well, well, the one thing we have is time. Are you a bit, I, I love, I am not a fan of, I guess I kind of fell off of them after the second album, which is when a lot of people kind of gotcha. come into them with the devil and God is raging inside of us. But I, I, I do enjoy them greatly. I just, I don't know what it is. It's uh, it's weird out of those bands from that era. I would say the ones that have kind of stuck, got stuck into me that kind of stuck were like Thursday, My Chemical Romance, and oh, I'm not trying to think what else. Because a lot of it's like that kind of super processed vocal never quite got me. I never got into My Chem. I was just like, oh, really? Oh, yeah, like, I, I don't dislike they're, they're, them. I just never like, gonna. There's nothing about that band that on paper I should like. And I genuinely think like, like they are a band that like not only like were great in their time, but like the further we get away from their career, the more I think history will be good in remembering that they were like truly mm. one of the great bands of that time period. I know. I don't know what it is. Big third. I love Thursday. Taking back Sunday. Whoever I thought that, like, I hate them so much. I hate their new band. album's really oh, good. No, it's not. I hate them. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's that's I'm not in the band. Oh, no, no, it's all good. No, it's, it has nothing to do with that. I respect everybody's opinion because I know yeah. I'm in the minority. But it's weird how that is like the one band that I've not budged on one bit. Hey, that's fine. But it's just and, funny and to think a, they're still around. That was a, uh, actually one of the extended uh, Keith Carey and I conversations in the car was, was things like that. It's Why they it's, suck? It's like he blamed no, that first album. No, because <laughs> I, don't, I don't ever say they suck. I say I hate them. And I there's think, a difference in that. And, and I feel like that's that's a thing that the, the internet forgets sometimes. Mm -hmm. That there's a difference between thinking something is bad, like not liking something and thinking something is bad. And like a lot of times, like my favorite line is like, I know I'm wrong, but, you know. Well, I like a lot of stuff that people hate. Like I, <laughs> oh, so I listen to a lot of music. I'm like, you, nobody should like this, but I love it. And so like, yeah. Who are well, some I think, of those? Oh god. Well, I mean I love this band called Rufio. They were like a oh, high pitch Yeah, high pitch pop punk voice. Um Silverstein. Okay. Do you I, like I, them? Oh no, I just I know all these bands. I'm thinking yeah. of like any of a, that singing like screaming music. Who sat next to me in 10th grade biology who liked all these bands. So keep it going. Still I still listen to Silverstein. <laughs> I I just love pop punk. Like it's bad. Newfound Well, no, I think Newfound Glory is respectable. Oh god, what is it? 
that's I'm trying to think of like a band that's like everyone kind of shits on that I'm just like nah man they're the best. <laughs> now it's not coming. Whenever someone I, um, I don't know I'll, I'm sure it'll come to me at some point. Yeah, I, like pretty much anything pot like meat. All right, meatloaf. All right, yeah. we're gonna go not obscure. Oh, I fucking love meatloaf. The meatloaf's like undeniably great. Oh, but he's fucking batshit crazy. But sure. like, I mean, to the, but but so to the is- point, like, <laughs> I tried to go see him in concert like a year ago. My wife laughed in my face. She's like, no, you don't want to go to that. I was like, no, oh, I got, oh, you should have gone. Really Did wanted. you go? It sold out. That's oh, the worst. See? It's, <laughs> at a second rate casino in Rhode Island, he sold out. Oh, and that's I was like, the huh. exact place you want to see him. That's like, oh, the I want smoky. Yeah. Uh, a huge alkaline trio. And oh, yeah. I actually like their later stuff. I I love all of it. I think that they are. Uh, I love uh, I love this addiction. I don't know what everyone I know hates me for. I, I, I like, actually liked this addiction. Like I thought that was a pretty good record, especially the way they went that uh, Matt is now in Blink. I'm like, it makes total sense. He wrote a fucking pop record. See, I got real bummed because like I would say Blink is probably one of those bands on my like like I'm never gonna like no matter what like list. Oh, I love them so much, and I, I feel know. like I shouldn't. Sure, no, and 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 I think that uh, uh, everybody is entitled to their own thing. Like to me, they are literally everything I hate in music in one band. I know. And like my joke was that like my, like like Matt Skiba tricked me into having to take a vague interest in Blink One Eight Two. That's a, a good joke. Because I'm a huge Alkaline Trio fan, and the fact that like now I have to vaguely pay attention. Luckily, it was bad, and so I'm like, aha, I'm vindicated. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I love Skiba. He's his voice is just so he doesn't sound like Skiba in the new Blink. So it's yeah. easy to just to be like, all right, I'm just gonna gloss over. But I mean, they had a good producer. Like it had everything on paper. But I'm just like, eh. it's it was funny to hear the first time he sings on that record and just go like, oh, they're auto tuning him. Oh, Blink One Eighty Two likes auto tune, do they? Like, yeah, it's like, oh, why 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 even like, get oh, Matt Skiba? It's like, just, why even buy- yeah. It's such a but, weird I mean, thing. Good good for him though, right? Because now I mean, he's like. <laughs> There Fuck, he's, can you imagine that? He's pulling a Van Hagar. It's great. Right? <laughs> and, and Tom DeLonge is fucking, like, borderline unwell. Like, so I work in, like, the mental health field, so I don't like to call people crazy. Oh, interesting. But he, uh, he really might need some help. But th- then there's the other part of him. I don't know if you, I've re- followed that story way too hard. Um, so someone I, I wanted, like, the past guests, uh, do you ever listen to the podcast going off track? Uh, I have not. It's totally up your alley. It's, um, Stephen Smith from uh, Stephen Untitled Rock Show. Oh, cool. Do you remember that on Fuse way back? Oh, and yeah. then J- Jonah Bear, music journalist, and he plays the United Nations. Yeah. Uh, so it's just musicians and comedians. It's oh, cool. ev- everything that you've named off. It's just like everything you love. It's fucking dope. But he did an interview with Tom DeLong for Playboy, and it's like this amazing interview with him, and he's like borderline, like talking. You know, what I would call like psychotic symptoms about alien life, but then he's simultaneously also working with the government. So they're like, I can't, I can't figure you out, Tom DeLong. <laughs> like he's legit working with, uh, so I don't, I don't know. Him. <coughs> but I don't know. I, yeah, he's, I don't know. What do you do in the mental health field? Uh, so I work for a behavioral health company as a case manager. Oh, so cool. like I work with adults with, uh, mental illness and usually, uh, drug, drug and alcohol uh substance use disorder so i work with like connecting them to community resources oh that's, that's great the quick version of it how'd you land in that uh totally like everyone else you completely fall into it because you couldn't find anything else to do that's <laughs> no uh, <laughs> yeah no let's see i don't know i uh i always i so i was born with a heart condition and i used to go to the summer camp for kids with heart conditions and then i worked there for like ever and then I was work, graduated college, needed health insurance. I got a job at Starbucks and was trying to find my way. Like, I think everyone has that year or two you're trying to figure it out. Met a girl who lived in Providence. And then the only, the first job I can get to help me move here was working with adults with developmental disabilities. And I hated it because I worked overnights. Mm-hmm. And then that led me into this other place. And then someone stole me and came to this other place. So I just kind of fell into it. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. Was, so you moved to yeah. Providence to, to meet a lady. Yeah, now I'm uh, married to her. I was gonna say, so, I, I really like like uh, you seem to to throw it off, which either meant that it went really well or really or bad. Like, really like, terrible. Yeah, <laughs> either she's in the other room watching a <laughs> across the street from her, like it's going like I'm never out of your life, or or you live yeah, in yeah. the same house with her. And no, like, we were. Uh, life. I feel like thank thankfully uh, we were both the same people who weren't like we need to get married. It was just more of like, oh oh, you guys are living in sin. I love it. Oh uh, yeah, we, we, well, yeah, yeah. We totally got, we totally got married. We, oh, um, lived right. together before we got married because it's the oh, best. Nice. I don't know if anyone doesn't has out there. It's normal, oh God, you got a test drive. Uh, what is it? You got to test drive the car before you buy it. Jesus. <laughs> How long have you guys been married? 
Three years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I know. And we got married. I was 29 when I got married. Oh, was nice. it? Yeah, I was 29. And I, we met at 25, so I was like single as shit forever. But so it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, I'm not like one of those people like, you should get married, but if you want to, you should. And if you don't do want any, to, you uh, shouldn't. Do you guys do any fun, fun wedding stuff? How'd you propose? I want all the background now. Oh, man, yeah. Wow, this is your episode. <laughs> I've talked about me tons. Now I want this. Me too. This is great. Um, Yeah, sure. Uh, So I was at, proposed because I was inspired from an episode of Scrubs where JD proposes <laughs> to Elliot with the dashboard confessional song. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. I had like a dream where I, I could see myself proposing to her at this place in Newport by the water in, in Rhode Island. Uh, so I like, and it was playing the dashboard song, the, uh, stolen my heart, but the sped up version. Mm-hmm. Of course that scrubs episodes, a fantasy episode. So I think I just, I don't know what we do. We went out to dinner. I went to the spot and then I queued up the song in my phone in a portal potty and like, let's walk a little bit. And I think I made a speech or some shit. And then I asked her and she said, yes. Oh, it's super cute. <laughs> yeah. But the wedding was dope because we got married at this place in the woods that had a bonfire. Oh, like cool. afterwards, and we were the only ones, so we all got really high and drunk with all of our friends and family afterwards. That's awesome. So that, that's I think the, that's the what dream. weddings for. Yeah, yeah, because like we lived together, we had like car insurance, we had a cat, so it was just more like <laughs> let's just have a fucking party. Nice. Yeah, so we're uh, <clears throat> pretty average stuff. And is your your girlfriend is the producer? Is yes. that correct? Uh, okay, uh, uh, Miss Miss Natalie Hazen, she's the producer on the This Is Rad podcast, and we actually do a ton of projects together. Uh, oh, we, that's right. How did you guys meet? Uh, we She was actually also an intern uh, at Meltdown. Uh, like, Meltdown is literally responsible for us uh, being a couple. Because she uh, she was an intern there. And then when we did the second season of Nerd Turn, we expanded out the writing staff. Uh, and uh, she was part of the new... Actually, her and Burnside were both on the second season writing staff. And they're, uh, they're both in the second season. She plays, uh, like, the new hire girl. Uh, and then Burnside plays, like, the weird goth guy. And uh, so they both uh, were kind of in there. And the second season of uh, Nerd Hunts was like a real stressful shoot. Like it was a very like difficult process. And uh, and her and I were hanging out after a particularly like rough day uh, shooting. And then and we'd kind of been off and on. But I'd had a girlfriend for a long time. And I happened to be kind of very recently single. And then we uh, uh, ended up making out in my car. And then we've been yeah! dating, dating ever since. Uh, and, and she's the love of my life. I think she's a wonderful person. She's brilliant. And, uh, and I think one of the things that was interesting is for us is that like our relationship really kind of became built around like working together on stuff because we're both kind of creatively vibed people. So like, that's so sweet. So she produces the podcast, but which is kind of our duo thing. I mean, along with Burnside, but, uh, and, and she is a saint for doing all that. Uh, cause I produce a couple of podcasts for Nerdist. I do the Jack and Lori show and pro you. And so the mm-hmm. cruel irony is that uh, I'm too dumb to do my own show, so she handles that. <laughs> or uh, too smart. Yeah. And, uh, no, it's for sure dumb. She's, she's the brains of this operation. But then, yeah. I, uh, before Nerd Turns, uh, and then during Nerd Turns, like, I've always been big on kind of like trying to shoot stuff and, uh, do indie films and stuff like that. Before comedy, I actually got into comedy because I was shooting shorts and it was just a really expensive hobby because <laughs> it's such yeah, a yeah. hard thing to kind of plan out and, like, I started doing stand-up largely because I missed being live because I'd kind of quit doing music and and was doing film. And then from film was like, oh, stand-up seems like it's a lot cheaper to do than like yes. film. <laughs> so I think I'm going to try working. I'd done it for about two years before that, but but not in any kind of earnesty. And then kind of doubled down. It was like, all right, this is this is what I'm going to do now. And uh, But then wanted to start shooting stuff again. And... Uh, uh, Natalie was, was sort of like, okay, well, I'll kind of help out. And we shot a piece called the, the Randy Clyde Williams show, which is a sketch about a, uh, serial killer, like a John Wayne Gacy style serial killer who hosts his own late night talk show in his murder basement <laughs> and forces his captive people who are going to, he's murdering to be his audience. So <laughs> where I had, can I find that? That sounds uh, brilliant. So, uh, this is rad has a YouTube channel called this is rad video and uh, this is on there. Uh, along with a ton of, ton of sketches we've shot. Like, that's one of those things that I feel like people kind of don't know is that, like, on top of stand-up and the podcast stuff, like, we also do a ton of, of video work. Uh, and Randy Clyde Williams was kind of the start. Uh, it was, and, and I was a man possessed working on that one because it was, 
uh, I had a friend who had a place in MacArthur Park, which is a particularly bad neighborhood in Los Angeles, who had this terrifying house that in this terrifying house had an even more terrifying basement that I think was in the past used for human trafficking because there's a lot of like cages and weird shit. And wow. uh, so we set up a desk in there and and uh, we have, I have a friend who does makeup who kind of did this guy's kind of clown. Yeah. He's, he's wearing a kimono and clown makeup. And then he has a band leader, you know, who is a guy in bloody underwear and a gimp mask playing a keyboard. Uh, and then he has, uh, we had a bunch of friends who are kind of local comedians as captives in, in these cages. And then he had a guest because he does a monologue and then a guest and talks to the band leader. It's like a whole talk show. <laughs> and the, the guest was Dan Telfer, the comedian. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. He's been on Conan and done all this stuff. And so I literally put Dan Telfer in a, in a big ass dog cage. <laughs> next to the the desk and so he's just like trapped in this human-sized dog cage like he's been kidnapped and is now being kid uh, like like interviewed it was like a, it was a whole insane process we shot it on vhs so that it looked like it was a found tape because i'd seen uh, have, you, have you ever seen the poughkeepsie tapes no 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 it's uh, i it's, aware of it it's the dowdle brothers first uh uh horror film it's like a found footage piece where they like raid a guy's house and they find all the tapes he had as a serial killer and it's really well done it's out of print right now but it's fucking great uh but i'd seen that and really liked kind of the the aesthetic of that and kind of some of those like vhs video shot horror pieces from like the 80s and 90s and how like real like it's crazy how, like when you, you shoot lo-fi enough it really does start to just look like a snuff film and so that's kind of, <laughs> so I, I can honestly say i think it's the funniest fake snuff film sketch anyone's ever written because <laughs> it, it looks genuinely unsettling across the board and then from there like we found that we worked really well together and we started doing more and more sketches and like now we do a lot of stuff for like channel 101 and and it's been fun because it's very much a a marriage of our two sensibilities she's definitely has much more of a like a a dirtier and like more gonzo style and and so it's a lot of fun to kind of like like we we did a one of the pieces that we did this year that's probably the thing we're maybe most proud of is a sketch called where dick that is a five minute pilot for channel 101 that screened earlier this year that is about a guy who gets bitten the dick by a werewolf and now his dick's a werewolf <laughs> um and so sort of stuff like that and it's fun because like you know my stand-ups like it's very much its own animal but like i get to kind of throw all these like gonzo trauma like crazy kind of ultra violent pieces into stuff like this and so that's been a lot of fun and and it's been interesting to kind of watch her like kind of because she was more much more she came uh like she's went to nyu she's had pieces mm -hmm. for for uh, comedy central and and netflix like she's all legit and fancy yeah uh, <laughs> and so it's been fun to like bring her down to my level and then and then at the same time like watch her like elevate the stuff i work on because like she's like amazing with like production design and she's like incredibly organized and she's such a funny person that kind of melding those styles is you know, I, I can't imagine my life without her at this point, not just like because she's who I love, but also like because yeah. like, creatively, like so much of our life is intrinsically tied together. That's so beautiful, man. And uh, and, and I know that she's a keeper because like the joke we've talked about, like getting married because one day I want to marry her. But like, yeah, but I, she's even said before, she's like, we can get married or we could make a feature like she was like, it would cost about the same. And I was like, this is why I want to marry <laughs> Oh no, get married, take all that money, and make a future. <laughs> like, I, the, I, only, the only way we can have a ceremony is if we justify it that we play people getting married in a feature <laughs> and it's all a write off for that. Oh, that'd be so, that's a, hey, there you go. There it is. <laughs> I, I watched that video she made. I didn't, uh, what is it? The, oh, the, the making of uh, I'm a oh, person yeah. stand up. I just was actually just watching that today. And then her name popped up at the end. I was like, oh man, that's really sweet. Oh, yeah. And your parents went to your, uh, taping. Oh, I yeah. thought that was the coolest thing. My, uh, yeah, my parents are, 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 I'm, I'm that rarer exception who actually has a really great relationship. My parents are, are two of the best people, uh, on the planet. Like I'm a, I'm a big old fan. Uh, creative stuff in our house is very like family fair. My dad plays, uh, bass and he's in, in bands. And, like we literally like in like, 2007 or no in like 2003 or something like that gutted uh the garage in our house and turned it into a recording studio because everybody plays and then my mom is very creative she uh, uh kind of worked the theater programs that my brother and i were in as kids and has always been like super encouraging and stuff like that and she's very like creative herself and stuff like that so it's it's a uh, it's definitely like a very like open household for them oh that's so great so they were never telling you to turn down the weird music they're like, turn it up 
Uh, you know, it depends on what it is. You know, uh, yeah. you know, everybody's still got taste in the house. I think that's one of the things yeah. that taught me that like you can be a good person but have different tastes than someone else is like. You know, because yeah. I mean, like, I mean, there's like universes, like my mom's who turned me on to like the Ramones and David Bowie and Elvis Costello and Blondie and stuff like that. And then like on my dad's end, like he turned me on to kind of like King Crimson and the Grateful Dead, you know, nice. and stuff like that. So it's definitely like kind of a cool hybrid of stuff. But, uh, you know, so at any given point in time, somebody's liking something. Yeah, my dad and I both love Frank Turner. That's oh, right He's on. a huge, huge folk fan. My dad is. And that's like our middle ground. Like nice. we saw him in concert together and it was just like. It's everything you want. It's the perfect blend of punk and folk. My, uh, and it's he's one great. of the best live acts I've ever seen. He's amazing. I've seen him yeah, twice. Yeah, no, oh my god. He's great. Yeah, I've seen him, yeah, maybe like two or three, t- two or three times. And it, every time, like, I, I just saw him, my wife and I just saw him this year, very oh, right recently. It was, it was like the last U.S. tour he did. It was the last date, sold out show. And I, you know, I'm thinking last day of a U.S. tour and he's from England. You're going to be like a good show, but he did like the Springsteen thing. He played for two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. And like just would not fucking stop. He's when when he breaks, it's going to be a well-earned thing. And it's a thing I am very positive will happen. Well, he has everywhere else globally, yeah, but here, which is like, strange. He but, played the Olympics when it was in London. Yeah, like, it was one of those things. Yeah. Like, and, and in London was like, this makes sense because you're very popular here. Yeah. Like, he he, he tours the Green Day. Yeah. In China. Cause he's, cause he's basically like, like Bruce Springsteen meets Queen, like with his live show. Like he's just this incredible yep. showman. And the musicians he plays with are just like fucking incredible. I've seen him in big venues. He plays little venues. He just like, I was reading some interview with him. He just did a tour with like, he did a tour with like Chris Stapleston and some other country artist. And then he goes on tour with like solo and then he could tour with the like Green Day. Like it's almost that almost perfect spot as a musician. Yeah. Like he, he'll play forever. Yeah, he's he's just uh, he is just universally great. Oh yeah, and it, uh, he's such a big fan. I, I, him and like Andrew McMahon, like they come around once a year. I'll go to that for sure. Nice. Like, I don't go as much to many of concerts as I like to anymore. But yeah, I'm the same way. Where I, I wish I could get to more, but I also like just don't get it. Like especially like, once you're kind of like trying to do multiple creative things and also earn a living. Like there's so little time for like. Oh away. my god. Like I've, I've probably seen two, three bands this year, and, it, and it's funny because you really start to figure out who you'll go for sure go see too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Kyle Kinane's touring with the Falcon, and that's coming around here, so I'll go to that. Nice. Uh, my, I've been more into comedy, going to like a comedy show more recently, like because we have this really nice like small theater from the twenties, and they have an upstairs that fits like a hundred and fifty people, and they do oh, more. Nice. It's I guess it's like an alt room, but it's really cool. But like. Uh, in like one month, we saw Joe Mandy and then Tick Notaro. And oh, it's nice. like, you get to sit. People are nice. Like, it's just different. Like, I don't want to go to a shitty, smelly punk club anymore. Like, I want a chair and I want to, like, <laughs> you know, like, it's like that. Unless, I, like, I still really love it on occasion, it. but, like, like, I'm definitely, like, uh, uh, more and more who I I've actually doubled down on movies just because, like, I cannot mm. sit through a comedy show just because it's like, it's like going to work. And then watch. Well, yeah, work. it's different. But yeah, it's, uh, but it's funny. Like, like movies have become my thing. And like, for there were a few years where like I just did not see a movie theatrically for like a few years. Like, I just yeah. did not go. And now it's funny because I'm still as picky as ever with movies. But but it's been interesting to chase stuff when you think something's really good and try to mm-hmm. get like you know like my big couple of things this year. Like I pushed. I've pushed the movie Green Room on every person I could possibly. I actually, yeah. it's funny. I, <laughs> I, I need to watch that. I got it on Blu-ray. I made my cousin and my brother finally sit down and watch it last night. Uh, like that's how is we it closed scary? off Thanksgiving. I would say it's more tense. It is. It okay. is maybe one of the tense. most tense movies I've ever seen. But I'm also like a crazy horror fan, so like that's yeah. a lot of what I'll go out to see. And then, but I'm trying to think. Like The Handmaiden this year was one that I went out to see because it's Park Chan Wook who did Old Boys' new movie, and uh, and that was really great. Uh, but I try to kind of do that stuff. And then, and then my joke is with my brother is the, either we'll get free tickets for something like we, I, I don't remember how we got tickets. We went and saw, and you'll notice by the trail of dead. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was a fun show, but I still have no memory of how we acquired the tickets. They just sort of showed <laughs> up. And then what was the other one? And then there's like a couple like Lemuria's coming through and they're a band I'll yeah. try to go see anytime they play just cause they're, they're one of my favorite bands. And then like Shinobu is playing and Shinobu's a band that yep. I will actively like, like discard other plants to go see just because like they're uh, like are you a fan of them at all i know the name but i don't like know their music at all oh man their 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 last album uh uh is is you know it's fucking genius it's they have, they have a song called the void go look at the song the void by by shinobu 
Uh, and they, 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 cause I think they've only put out three records in mm. like, in 15 years or something like that. Like they're, yeah. but they're, they are just a, just geniuses. They're, they're such as weird cipher. Cause they're, they're, you could call them an angular indie rock band, but you could also call them a pop punk band, but you could also call them like a post hardcore band, but you could also just call them like kind of a weird, like noise, you know, pop, noise pop band. Like it's such a, they're, yeah. and they're, Lyrics are just on this other level of like almost Eastern philosophy. Like their lyrics are almost these like weird Buddhist cones. Like they're they're oh oh they're the best. And I'm live check them out tonight. Live they are fucking no joke. I saw them at a house show many years oh, ago man. where like a guy it was a two story house that they were being evicted from. So it was just Project Destroy the House as much as possible. And oh it was man, that's awesome. It was like this Japanese pop punk band and then Joyce Manor and then Shinobu. And it was such a fun show, but I remember like before Shinobu even went on, when Joyce Manor was on, somebody had leaped from the staircase to crowd surf, but their Doc Martens had hooked the banister and tore the banister <gasps> off oh, the staircase. No. And we were on the staircase, and so now there's just this like row of spikes that are, you know, in front of you before you go fall a story from the house. And then oh Shinobu goes on, so you're, like, watching the show, but also watching the spikes to make sure you don't fall off those. And then at the same time, like, the bass player for Shinobu is, like, hanging from, like, these, like, beams going across the room, like, upside down playing bass like he's in Dillinger Skate plan. Like, it was, uh... <laughs> oh. oh, my God, that sounds am- that sounds so dope. Yeah. I'm gonna check them out. I feel like they're in that... That's the world I'm, like, um starting to kind of rediscover that, like... They're actually, oh, they call they're, it like emo revival, I well, guess. Well, their first records on uh, quote unquote from like from like a oh that's a, just yeah that's the, uh Rosenstock's uh, yeah. label, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Strange Spring Air, they're they're I think it's their first record uh, is on there, and that's how I got into them. Was I kind of found them in college and was just like, holy shit, like this band is on another level. I feel like I I, I must maybe I, yeah I know I know the name, but maybe I, should, I just need to actually take the time and actually listen to them. Uh, yeah, the, there's just somebody that. There's just only so many hours in the day, which, I, which that's the shitty part about getting older, yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure we all can relate with. Uh, <laughs> oh man, dude, thank you. Uh, so that's that's the hour. Oh, um, man. <laughs> thank you for doing this. Is there anything we missed? And like, where could like uh, people find you online? Oh, I actually wanted to ask about your album. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Because I feel like that's the reason you should be promoting it. <laughs> true, true, true. I get distracted. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's nah, same. That's why I love Nerdist because I'm like, I could follow this. This is exactly how I think. It's 75 topics at once. Yeah, it's uh, it's called I'm a Person, uh, and it, I recorded it last December at Nerd Melt at my home base, uh, and it's an independently released record. Uh, I, I put all the all the money for it up myself. Uh, decided Damn. I decided to just kind of like. If put my money where my mouth is and if I believe in this stuff, like we live in an age where you can get it out there to the world without needing a keeper. So instead of waiting for, for mom and dad industry to do stuff, I was just saying, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just gonna, from, so kind of from front to back, it's a, it's a whole, uh, it's a, I said this at the, my record release party. It's a testament to anybody who wants to do this that it's doable. You know, it's, it's, uh, I hope that this very is very DIY of you. I, I hope that this is the record that launches a thousand shitty comedy albums <laughs> uh, from, from, uh, you know, from people just to like show that like, Hey man, like this is a, this is a thing you can do. And, uh, and so yeah, my brother, uh, produced and mixed it, uh, and, and we did it. And then, uh, my friend Tom Seininger did the album, which is me holding my, the Muppet version of myself's head. <laughs> I love that cover. And, uh, it's available on, on iTunes and Spotify and Tidal. And I believe it's on Pandora at this point. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, Amazon, you know, it's on all, all the places. Like, and, uh, and then you can get hard copies of it at, uh, stoymerchandise.com. And it's a, it's, it's been really nice that people have, have been supportive of it because it's a, it was a very, very personal process. I decided to do it from a chunk of time where I was kind of, had kind of lost a lot of the steam I had had moving forward on some stuff and, and kind of didn't know what to do because it sort of seemed like things were going one way and then literally all of those things kind of crashed. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> All of a sudden, your management fired you. I saw yeah. in your video. It's uh, uh, you know, it was well, they just. It's not that they fired me. It's that uh, they stopped being management. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> non-fire fire. Uh, and and uh, and I mean the people who who did it. Like I don't, I, I don't even have hard feelings for. It. Like they're super talented mm-hmm. people who like got amazing opportunities to do other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if I were in their shoes, I'd have done the exact same thing. So uh, it's one of those things. Like, hey, awesome. 
but at the same time, like I, I definitely was like, okay, uh, I have no plan. I have no strategy. I'm kind of like <laughs> in the middle of uh, nowhere doing nothing. And so I had done a cassette tape a few years be- uh, before just to learn how to do a long form set because I'm from LA. Like there's not a lot of chances to do road stuff or like open mm. and featured stuff like that. So I kind of used it as a way to teach myself how to write a long form set and record stuff. And so it was kind of a nice rehearsal run. And I'm proud of that thing in a different way because <clears throat> I'm definitely still like a baby on it. But, but at the same time, it's sort of like, Oh, this is, I love people who are very open source with their processes on stuff. Like I love people uh, yeah, who yeah. sort of show, show the work for how they did stuff. And, uh, uh, so with but with this record, it was literally kind of I took all of the stuff that had kind of been going on up in my life up to that point, like the, with teaching and with with all these different kind of things that I had done in the past and kind of put them into a record that was kind of an affirmation of like who I am as a person up to this point, because I'd kind of started to feel like that L.A. sense of being dehumanized because you're just like, oh, you're just, you know, this and that. And like, you know, you, you go get people coffee and they kind of forget that you are a human being. <laughs> or you go and do different stuff where like you know people are just like oh hey you know we uh you know lose track of the fact that we all should probably be better to each other than we are oh Uh, god yeah yeah and so the record kind of title kind of came from that and then from there it gave me kind of a a through line to write because the record's all about that and the idea of like humanizing yourself to people and uh and and i'm really kind of happy with how it came out because at the same time like it's still like a jokey ass comedy record it's not a one-man show it's not a you know declaration of purpose like but but to me like some of my favorite comedians are people who are able to find that mixture of like operating from a theme while still doing something with it like i'm a big fan of there's a british comedian named Stuart lee who is uh by a mile my favorite comedian he kind of is able to construct stuff that is very jokey but built around sort of like theses that you kind of take bits and concepts but able to string them around these theses so that it can kind of keep going back like a college paper or something like that i'm a person and it's out there and uh and i'm super proud of it so people can check that out oh i, I like what you said it is it, it um it feels like the track you're going for now correct me if i'm wrong it feels very like berbiglia like the stand-up comedian but also you want to do film simultaneously is that yeah. correct yeah sort of yeah yeah i would, I, I would say like a, a like Mike Birbiglia, if Mike Birbiglia also wanted to work in an industry where you use gallons of fake blood on things, yeah, the horror version of yeah. uh, of, like of if, that. Like if they cut off Gillian Jacobs' head at some point during Don't Think and Twice. Don't Think Twice. But uh, so is that process when you're doing it though? Like, is that hard? Like going on stage and like talking about such personal stuff, or no, do you to me, work all, disguise it well? No, nah, because to me, all stand up is personal stuff. Like I don't, I don't really do topical stuff. I don't really do. Like I do jokes, but to me, like all of the jokes have to come out of truth or out of something in my life, or I'm not that interested in doing it. Like, like it's uh, mm-hmm. it's it's one of those weird things that like makes me a pretentious douche, but uh, but that I'm very much like, uh, oh, I'm not gonna go and let it be like, so Donald Trump's in the news. Like I'm much more like, oh, here's a here's a thing, and not like, oh, this is Dear Diary, but more like, here is my. Yeah like observations on the universe from a very specific point of view that I'm going to filter it through. Yeah, it seems, I feel like it seems to be working and like, I feel like uh, you got, you, you're, this is rad and Nerdist and your comedy, like it's all in that same thing, like kind of something you said earlier of like, you'll say like, I don't like it, but you're also not shitting on things. Yeah. Like I love that you guys come from a place of not annoying optimism. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes in the geek community and nerd community, I feel like there's a level of like everything is awesome when it's like, well, no, it's not. But there are things I absolutely love and I'm happy about. And I think you guys are able to walk that path of like positivity and negativity all in one. And it's great. I'm such a fan of it. So I feel like it's right in my realm. Thanks, of like man. Right there. Um, oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, that's it's fucking rad. Most definitely, yeah. Uh, at Cal Clark is rad on Twitter and Instagram. This is rad podcast. This is Red Video on YouTube and Kyle Clark. I'm a person. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me on this, man. This was a lot of fun.